0: Today we are going to be talking about uh, responsibility. Um, let's review where we've been so far. Uh, because we talked about Hulk and how Hulk is like the sin that destructive force in our life that we can't take care of on our own. We talked about Batman and the fact that when sin is in our life, it basically makes us orphans between us and God. But as we saw with Superman, there was the son that came to save and it was not Superman, it was Jesus and that by following Jesus, we receive power, but not power for our own selfish reasons, power to do God's work. Then after that, we saw that we are the light of the world, and it's our responsibility to shine light into the world. Then we talked about how we need to walk together with others in community, that we need to not try and walk as a Christian alone, because if we will try and walk alone, we'll fail. Then we talked about last night about how we should never let our fate stay where it is. We should always be adding to it, always upgrading it, always making it stronger. Now, the last thing we're going to talk about today, responsibility. Um, This is a phrase you'll hear time and time again. Um, There's a phrase that's found in the very first Spider-Man comic book. Um, in 1962, in Amazing Fantasy number 15, it's the first appearance of Spider Man. So 1962 was a long time ago. Um, in that, and this is the quote, this is the end of that issue, um, you'll see where it says, With great power, there must also come great responsibility. With great, and you know, in all the other versions of the comics and in the movies and everything else, they kind of just shorten it down with great power comes great responsibility. Um, and it's a basic statement saying that if you're given power, you have to use that power for a responsibility. Plain and simple. Now, we already talked about, do we get power? As Christians, do we receive power? So, if we receive power, according to Stan Lee, who wrote this, we also get responsibility. But guess what? Stan Lee's not Jesus. So we don't have to trust Stan Lee, but guess what? Stan Lee was actually quoting a Bible verse when he said this. So this big catchphrase from Spider-Man actually traces back to a Bible verse. If you go to Luke chapter 12, verse 48. Luke 12, 48. I got all my scripture on here. I'll just use this. Luke 12 verse 48 Jesus makes this statement From the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. If God gives us power, if God get whatever God gives us, God's going to ask more back from us. So if God gives us power, God's going to want us to use that power responsibly. So we know from when we looked in Scripture earlier, if you are a follower of Christ, you receive power, and God wants you to use that power for whose purpose? His, and you will be responsible for it. Have you ever been responsible for somebody? Like, you actually had to take care of somebody? I remember being a 15-year-old kid, and um, my drama teacher was a lady named Miss Katie, and... I guess she was real, real desperate because Miss Katie's like, can you come babysit my son? He was like three months old. One, never babysat in my life. Two, she didn't know me. I'd been in her class like two weeks. Personally, I wouldn't be throwing my baby at some random student I had. Um, you have to go to like an exhaustive FBI screening before I let you near my kids. And I was like, sure. She offered to pay me. She had cable. And food in her fridge. So I was like, let's go. And um, so I remember, like, his name's Carter, and he made it out alive, so I must have not did too terrible. And I just remember sitting there watching TV. Carter just be laying there like, hi, Carter. Did you poop? Okay, Carter. And that's all I did. I just watched Carter and took responsibility for him. It, it never even occurred to me until I was a grown-up, I was actually responsible for a little baby's life. It never occurred to me I thought there was responsibility involved. It never occurred to me that I actually held this little kid's life in my hands. So, let me ask you, have you ever been responsible for somebody? Um, Maybe you've got a little brother or sister. Maybe you've got a cousin or somebody you take care of. Maybe you've got a friend that just makes a lot of bad choices, and you end up having to take care of them and be responsible for them. You know, maybe you're not their parent. Maybe you're younger than them, but that doesn't mean you can't be responsible for somebody because when somebody is irresponsible and you're responsible, you end up being responsible for them. Jesus tells us we have this responsibility. That we have, this, we have this responsibility to follow him and to use all the power he has given us for his glory. Now, let me ask you, Just, you can raise your hand and tell me, what is one thing you think you're responsible to do as a Christian? Tell people about Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. There's that one, okay? Pray? Oh, good responsibility. walk with people and walk with Christ. Y'all are all over it. Believe in Jesus. Go to church, not just to hear somebody preach, but to be in community with each other. Read the Bible. All of these things, we have these responsibilities for. We have responsibility to love God. We have responsibility to love one another. We have responsibility to forgive each other. When somebody messes up, we have a responsibility to carry someone else's burdens when they feel heavy, when they feel like they've got too much on their plates, when they feel like they're not strong enough. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to feed the hungry. We have a responsibility to take care of those with less than us. We have all these responsibilities that Jesus gives us. And most of the time, we, you're like me when I was that little kid babysitting. I have no idea I'm actually responsible for anything. I'm just kind of sitting around. You can't be that, because guess what? I told you. Now you know. And knowing's half the battle. If you know that you have a responsibility and then you don't do it, then it's on you. If before today you're like, oh, wait, I have a responsibility? Now you know. And now you need to live it out. Because if not, you're not disobeying me. You're disobeying God who gave you this power, who gave you this life, who gave you this grace. And you say that, uh, how do we know that we have the power that Jesus gives us this kind of power? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we see this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay. Jesus said, all authority, all authority that ever existed has been given to me. And he uses that authority to tell you to do something. Guess what? There are people here at camp with different authorities. Right? Your junior counselor has authority, but then your senior counselor has another authority, Then Uncle Paul has another authority. I don't have any authority. I can just talk a long time. Um, So you don't have to listen to me as much, but if Uncle Paul tells you to do something or your counselor tells you something, they have authority. If another camper says, do this, you will be like, "Uh, no. You don't have authority. I don't have to listen to you. But if a counselor says it, that's different. Um, my three-year-old bosses around my five-year-old. And I'll be like, Rosa, you you don't have to do what Bella says. She's three, and I'm your dad. She still ends up doing it. Um, Because Bella, even though Bella's like a foot shorter than her, she just looks tough with her curls and junk. Um, But Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, let me just stop you there. We, we always kind of like water down this statement in our heads to where we think Jesus is saying one thing instead of the other. Jesus said, go and make disciples. You know what we do? We go and go on a mission trip once a year, maybe. Or we go and we'll leave a tract with a Bible verse in it. Or we'll put a sticker on our car or we'll wear a Christian T-shirt and we'll think, I'm tearing Jesus. There's a difference between letting your light shine and making a disciple. When you, te- when you make a disciple, you literally get face-to-face, side-by-side with someone, and you teach them how to do something. You teach them how to do it. When we were talking about community earlier, when you take someone's hand and you walk with them while they walk with Christ, that's making a disciple. I'm not at all claiming credit for this, so this is not where it's going. But um, about a year and a half, two years ago, Basha said, um, I want to learn to play guitar better. And so I sat down with Basha one time and said, all right, here's some easy things to do. Here's a good place to begin. And in that sense, I was saying, all right, let me disciple you on this subject. Let me teach you how to start where to begin. Now she's a better guitar player than me. All I did was go face to face with her and say, this is where you start. This is how you do it. When you disciple somebody, that means you walk with them and you say, this is how you handle this situation. This is how you walk in this situation. And you teach them before it happens. You don't wait until... You're somebody in ninth grade that's in juvenile detention center for getting drunk and destroying a Walmart to say, hey, you probably shouldn't drink. You do that beforehand. You teach them beforehand how they should live. And what Jesus said is, I command you with all the authority in heaven, go and show people what it means to love me and to live like me. Make a disciple. Make somebody that can follow after your footsteps. Um, if I'm presuming correctly, Mariah is like Uncle Paul's disciple, um, because Uncle Paul told me the other day, um, Mariah is his assistant, but he feels he could turn he could leave the camp and just walk away and no Mariah can handle any of it, because she follows so well, and she's taken everything that she's learned from him, and she applies it. Mariah doesn't need Uncle Paul holding her hand all the time to show her what to do. He feels confident enough that he can walk away from camp and she can handle it because she is an effective disciple. If Jesus calls us his disciple, that means we need to be able to know that Jesus is gone and we can handle his mission. Do you feel like you would be an effective substitute for Jesus? Because that's what a disciple would be. I'm the kind of person that I don't ever like to not show up for something. you sit up, please? I don't like to ever not show up for something because I really don't trust people to handle it the way I would handle it if I'm gone. I've been running a college ministry for eight years. I've missed one time out of eight years. Like when our college ministry meets, and that was the day my mom died. Like, other than that, it's like if I'm sick, if I've got the flu, I'll show up and I'll lead worship snotting all over the microphone, coughing into my Bible, and be like, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And, you know, I don't do that because I don't really effectively trust anybody to handle what I would do if I'm not there. Now I'm getting better at that. But as a disciple, your job is to make more disciples. Your job as a Christian is to help walk with somebody else to make a good enough disciple that you feel they are a fitting substitute for Jesus now i'm not I would not say I'm a fitting substitute, but hopefully I can help you walk closer to him but jesus's command was not just go pass out tracks somewhere it's not yell at somebody like um where were we the When we were on our kayaking trip, or not kayaking, when our canoe, rafting, gosh. You know, we were doing that, I love Jesus, yes, I do thing. You know, we may have said Jesus' name a couple times, but that wasn't making disciples. We yelled Jesus' name real loud, does not make disciples. You know, if we would have talked to our raft guys while we were out there about how they could know God better and stuff like that and kind of train them up. That's different. But guess what? Making disciples also isn't a one-time deal. It's a relationship you have to build up and establish time over time. So please don't think Jesus wants you to um, – one time, I, a mission trip of my youth group when I was a kid, we went into a park, and we were at John three sixteen on a bunch of Frisbees, and we threw them into the park and left. Never talked to anybody. Never actually had a conversation. we were like, John three sixteen, John 3, 16, run! And it's like we weren't trying to make disciples. We were just throwing Jesus's name out there and running away quickly. It's like we were doing a, we were committing a crime <laughs> instead of discipleship. Is that a word? We have to make sure what we're doing is actually what Jesus commanded, and that's making disciples. That's a responsibility we have. That's a great responsibility because Jesus said, take what I have have shown you and show it to somebody else. Then going on, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Because when you get baptized, you're showing the world and you're showing yourself that you're ready to walk away from who you were before and follow Jesus. Then he says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. But notice what he said. you Notice the order of this. He said, teach them to obey everything I commanded after you've already discipled them. Because you know what? If you walk up to somebody that's not a Christian, somebody that's not following Jesus, and you say, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. Jesus says it's a sin. And they're not actually following Jesus. Then that's not really going to be relevant to them. You have to help them to walk like Jesus so that then they can learn what Jesus wants. You can't teach them to obey the commandments if they're not even on the same team. One time I was in, I play racquetball. It's my favorite game to play. And um, I was in this racquetball court and I was playing with another friend. And there was a guy in the court next to me playing a game called squash, which is like a British version of um, racquetball. And this guy that was playing squash walked over to my room where I was playing racquetball. He says, "No, no, no, you're doing it wrong." and he started telling me all these different rules I had to play by, and I said, "Dude, i'm not playing the game you're playing I'm playing racquetball he's like, "Oh, never mind." And he walked away and he was so pre- he was so presumptuous to think i'm automatically doing what he's doing that he should just tell me what to do if we Don't help people get close to Jesus before we try and tell them how to live like Jesus. It's not going to work. Because you know how we can live like Jesus? Because of the power He gives us when we know Him. That would be like me telling my five-week-old baby, go mow my lawn. She does not have the power, skills, or ability to do that at this point in time. People need Jesus before they can be like Jesus. And sometimes it takes us... Them to see what it's like to be like Jesus. Have you ever um, felt like you just don't make the most use of your power? Have you ever felt like you don't do enough as a Christian? That you don't do the good that you could? Um, one of the most heartbreaking comic books I've ever read is a story called Justice. It's written by a guy named Alex Ross, it's about the Justice League kind of era people. And in, in this comic book called Justice, one day the bad guys wake up and say, you know what? Let's do something different. So the bad guys actually save the world. And not just save it from a bad guy. Like um, if you're familiar with who Poison Ivy is, Poison Ivy goes to a third world country and makes all their crops grow. So they have enough food to last them for years. A guy named Captain Cold, who can make ice, goes out into the middle of the Sahara Desert and forms a giant iceberg that will melt and form clean drinking water for years. Uh, Brainiac, he's a superman villain who can do all these medical things to you and scientific things. He goes around and starts curing diseases. People that have lost limbs, he replaces their limbs. People that can't see, he makes them see all this stuff and all the bad guys do so much good that all the people in the world look at the heroes look at superman look at one of them like why haven't you done this if the bad guys can turn around and do this where where have you been all you guys do is go beat up a bad guy when they do something wrong why haven't you used your power to do something better if superman superman has ice breath superman could have done that same thing that captain cold did There are people that have the same superpowers, and they just never use them for anything other than some minor skirmish. Think about it. If all you ever use your Christian power for is when a problem comes up, you're wasting your time. You're wasting what God has given you. You're not following through with your responsibility. Your power should be preemptive, meaning you should be teaching people about Jesus without them having to have a midlife crisis or without their life falling apart or their life being collapsed by sin. You should be showing them about Jesus before something horrible happens, not after. Now, after is great if that's your only option, but don't wait until somebody's life falls apart before you try and tell them that Jesus can offer them peace and hope and forgiveness. Going on, the Apostle Paul Says in First Corinthians 9, go ahead and turn there with me. First Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19, we read, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became a Jew to, to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law as though I am not under the law myself, so to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all means I might save some. Paul said, look, wherever somebody is in their life, I'm going to go be where they are so they can see Jesus. Because guess what? If the only place you show Jesus is in your church, then only the people in your church are going to see Jesus. And the people in your church probably need Jesus less than the people outside of your church. You need to go where the people are that need Jesus in your life. If you only hang around Christians, if you only go to church, if you only hang around people that are just like you, nobody else is ever going to see Jesus. Now, am I saying make your best friend somebody that doesn't love Jesus? No, because you still need to have that community. You still need to walk with somebody as you walk with Christ. But you need to make sure that your walk with Christ goes places where people that need Jesus see it. Because if not, you're not handling your responsibility very well. Um, my When we just had our baby uh, about... Six, Right at six weeks ago, um, my wife was in a lot of pain. Kind of happens with childbirth, and um, she she's always done it without medicine or whatever. But um, her hip she's she's had a hip problem since our first baby. Just something didn't go back together right, and um, her hip was really hurting, like really really bad. And so she said, "Can I please have something for the pain for my hip?" And the lady said we accidentally shipped out all the IV meds to another department. So on the child birthing wing, where people were in great agony, they had sent all the medicine to another part of the hospital and couldn't get it back. So nobody having a baby that day could have any medicine. They had, their, they had what they needed, but they didn't, they didn't put it where they needed it to go. You have what the world around you needs, but if you don't show them where it is, if you don't put it where they can see it, they're never going to know it. And that doesn't mean write John 3, 16 on a Frisbee and throw it at them. Like, here! God bless. No, that's not the way to go. But Paul said, look, I'm going to go where they are, and I'm going to show them Jesus where they are. Can you Let me just ask you, can you honestly think of a place right now outside of your church where you have friends that need Jesus? Can everybody think of at least one place? Go there. Go there and show them Jesus. Because check this out. If you don't, if somebody doesn't go, how will they ever hear? Romans 10, verse 13. Go there with me. Romans 10, beginning in verse 13. Paul says, how then, no, hold up, let me back up. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Paul says, look, all they have to do is hear the truth and respond to it for them to be saved. But if somebody doesn't go tell them, they're not going to be saved. If somebody doesn't go, how will they ever hear the truth? Which is why people do go on mission trips. Which is why I came here. I came here because Uncle Paul gave me a chance to talk about Jesus and superheroes. Done. Um, I would have came here if he just let me talk about Jesus. Because, you know, superheroes were just an added bonus. If you don't go and take the message of Jesus, where it's not being heard, then they're not going to hear it. Imagine a highway where a bridge has gone out. Let's say the bridge goes out, you see it, you stop in time. If you just sit there in your car and don't do anything, the next couple cars that go by you, what's going to happen? They're going to go right off the bridge. So you have a choice. You either sit in your car and watch these people go flying off a bridge to their death or you get at a safe distance from the edge and you wave them down and stop them before they get there. You show them that there is danger ahead. You show them that if they keep going the way they're going, their life will end. Jesus tells us, I need you to go and share my message because if you don't, they will not have the life that they need to have. Their life will end as I want it to, and I want their life to be changed. Just a scary question, okay? If only the people that you shared Jesus with went to heaven, what would it look like? If only the people that you led to Jesus, if only the people that you discipled and shared Jesus with went to heaven, do you think God would be satisfied with that? I've preached to thousands of people, and that's not good enough. I've walked with a lot of people, and that's not good enough. He doesn't want just one of us to carry that responsibility. He wants all of us to carry that responsibility. Somebody read John 17.3 for me. Jesus says... That this is eternal life. Life not just starting in heaven, but life that starts now and lasts forever. Real life, eternal life, the only life worth living is to know God and know Jesus Christ who He sent. Jesus said the only life worth having is the life of knowing God and knowing Jesus. Jesus. So literally, every day we see somebody not knowing Jesus and we don't reach out to them, that's like saying, I'm okay with you not having a life worth living. I'm okay if your life isn't what it should be. I'm okay if your life isn't as satisfying. I'm okay if you don't have the peace I have. I'm okay if you don't have the joy I have. I'm okay if you don't, you don't have the security I have. I'm okay with you not having the love I have. Would you really say that to somebody? Then we have this responsibility to go out and share your faith. To share who you are. Last thing I'm just going to tell you with this is um, this passage, where this comes from, where Spider-Man makes this statement of, with great power there must also come great responsibility. Um, it's a classic story of Spider-Man he had gotten his superpowers, and some random criminal ran past him. And he had the, he could have stopped that dude any way, shape, or form. He could have just reached out and grabbed him. He could have tripped him. He could have shot him with some webs. He could have done anything. And literally, this guy ran right past him, even bumped into him. He had the chance to stop him, and he didn't. He had the power to stop him. He had the responsibility to stop him. And because he didn't stop him, that man later went on to murder his uncle. He lost the closest thing to a father he ever had because he had a chance to do what he was supposed to do and didn't. When, he walked, when you see him walking away and the lean, silent figure slowly fades into the gathering darkness, awake at last, and that in this world with great power, there must also come great responsibility. He realized that after he lost his uncle. And he lost his uncle because he did not use his responsibility. You know what? You're going to face moments like this in your life Where you had a chance to share Jesus. You had a chance to disciple. You had a chance to love like Jesus. And you didn't take it. And something is going to break your heart about it. And you're going to realize, I could have done more. Now it's not on you to do all the work. Your responsibility is to do what Jesus has shared us. Walk with people. Show them the truth. Tell them about Jesus. Let your light shine. Because Jesus has chosen you to be the ones to carry out His work. Jesus has chosen you to be the ones to carry out His work. Guys, I know when we come to camp, you know it's really easy for us to you know just say I got saved or I gave my life to God and really not think about it. Please understand this. Romans ten nine and ten says if we believe in our hearts Jesus Christ is Lord and I don't going to misquote that. Hold on, let me read it. I was like that's wrong. Be <laughs> yeah, always be willing to admit when you're wrong. Um, Romans ten. 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. One who believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confessing with the mouth resulting in salvation. If we, it says we have to be able to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not just believe. Guess what, guys? The demons believe Jesus is God's Son. That doesn't save them on their own. We're told that we need to be able to confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord. You know what Lord means? The person you serve. The person who controls your life. If we're a Christian and we're going to live for Jesus the right way, that means we should be able to stand up at any point in our life and say, Jesus is the one I follow. Jesus is the one I work for. Jesus is the one who controls my life. Because if you can't stand up and say that, and there's a difference too between saying it and confessing it. I could say I'm Justin Bieber's backup dancer. But that wouldn't be a confession, would it? Why? Because it's not true. A confession has to be the truth. L- let's, let's look at this situation. I don't want you to answer. I don't want you to raise your hand or respond. But if I honestly asked you to... Would it be a true statement if you said Jesus Christ is your Lord, meaning Jesus Christ is the person you follow, Jesus Christ is the person you obey, Jesus Christ is the person is the person you serve? Would that be a true statement? Not. Do you believe in Him? But could you honestly say, he is your master. He is your Lord. Because when you give, when you accept Jesus Christ in your life, you're not just saying, Jesus saved me from hell. You're saying, Jesus, here is my life. I will serve you. Are you just believing and not following through with your responsibility? Or are you believing and accepting the responsibility that Jesus has given you? Because guess what? Nobody else in this world has this job that you have. Because there are people in your life that nobody else can reach. There are people in your life that will only see Jesus because they see Jesus in you. With great power comes great responsibility. You have received great power if you were a Christian, and you have received the greatest responsibility possible. It's a scary one. But you know what? You're not sharing. You don't have that responsibility on your own power. Whose power do you have? You have Jesus' power. Live it. Uh, this is our last chapel. And I know that um, we've been talking all week, and you've done really well sitting through me talking forever, all day long. So thank you for that. And I'm here all day, uh, Ms. Bosch is here all day. Um, if at any point you want to talk to us, if you have questions, please do so. But um, I just really want to encourage you, never, never, never stop seeking after God. Never do it. Keep seeking after God. Um, if I get to come back to the camp, I hope to see you again. And thank you for listening. Okay, Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us this chance to hear your word and to realize that... Knowing you isn't just some free reward, uh, get-out-of-jail-free jail card, so to speak. But that knowing you is accepting a new life, and it's accepting the responsibility that comes with that life. Help us to be a people who treat that responsibility seriously, that follow after you and chase after you, and to do your work and your will. In Christ's name, amen.